Hello, hello, friends. Uh, it's your Chapo for the uh, middle of the week. Uh, it's me, Will. Uh, sitting in is uh, Virgil and Matt. Hello. We formed the, the triad. A polycule, yes. as it were. Yes. We are, we are cuddling right now. <laughs> the puddle I, is cuddling. The puddle is very damp at the moment, <laughs> and I hope that you will jump in. Where are we on the polyamory? We got, we got to sprinkle some baking powder onto this thing because it's getting a little too moist. Got to get some sawdust down here yeah. on, on the puddle. Yep. Good question, Virgil. I don't know because looking at that thing was like you know, like a magic eye poster. Or <laughs> well, what are you confused about? Just what, you know, what's going on there? Well, it's various overlaps uh, among different types, types of way of to be a pervert, basically. All right, gang. Uh, let's get into uh, the show today. Speaking of perverts, yeah, this is this is a good segue. Matt has just done some just this morning has done some on-the-ground shoe-leather legal reporting on uh, an issue of note. Matt, yeah. would you like to explain? Uh, this morning at Superior Court, uh, the Southern District of Manhattan, of New York, they were doing Jeffrey Epstein's bail hearing. This is the place where all the Law & Order episodes are filmed. No, it's around the corner from that. Because this is the federal court, not the state court. No, this is where they film the episodes. The, like, you know, like no. The studio. Oh. Well, I don't know. All I know is all I th- the, the, the steps that they're always walking down to get a hot dog, that's like a half a block away. That's oh, okay. not here. Uh, and I couldn't get into the building. I, maybe if I was more of an intrepid journalist, I could have, but I don't know how to do that. The doors seem to be not allowed unless you Did you try opening of- the handle? Well, no. They were all being guarded by police. One said it was for em- employees only. One said it was for court and reporters only. And I don't have any kind of press credentials, so I don't think I would have been allowed in. I don't. You should have kept let- your your lanyard from Netroots Nation. That might have helped. Uh, I think that they had a probably a smart idea that you don't want a bunch of yahoos showing up at the Epstein hearing. So instead, I hung out with the press people outside, uh, waiting for the news that Jeffrey Epstein's bail was denied, that he will remain in custody which will make it harder for him to, quote-unquote, commit suicide sometime in the next six months. But Wouldn't it be easier for him for that to happen? I don't know. It's just like there's more, there's more to answer to if he happens yeah, you're in, his, right, you're in right. his cell as opposed to, you know, what out if on he just gets, boat? like, shanked, like, 50 times, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Gen Pop or whatever. Yeah, uh, Breaking Bad style. Yeah. All I know is that uh, Jarlena Maxwell's dad just fell off of his yacht, and that would have been an easier thing for them to do if he had, like, uh, decided to go on the lam or something. But... Yeah, so I hung out in front with the jaded media reporters, and it was funny. So I was standing across the street, and then a truck pulls up, like a like a one of the workmen's trucks. I don't know, you know, filled with items for sale, or I don't know. And a guy in the seat goes, "Hey, who's 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 uh, whose case is this? What's going on?" And I go, "It's Epstein." And he goes, "Huh?" I go, "The pedophile." And he goes, oh, what's going on? I go, it's his bail hearing. He's like, oh, shit. So some people are aware, I think, of what's going on, even if they don't know the particulars. The cr- <laughs> trial of the century. Hey, I'm knowing about pedophiles over here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, check out that friggin' temple on the island. Hey. Uh, so we just hung around. And then uh, the only people who came out to do a press conference were the, the lawyers for the uh, victims. Uh, so not anybody from the defense team or from the the, the U.S. Um, prosecutors came out. And it was very short and kind of, uh, frankly, anticlimactic. The only thing I could really take from it is, one, Q people are fucking loser lamos because there wasn't a single person there in a Q hat or a Q paraphernalia, no Pizzagate people, no one dedicated to this showed up. I fucking showed up. And you assholes couldn't do this. You've been on the fucking forums for how long? You're waving your signs at Trump and you can't show up? Just to see what's going on. Pathetic. Part-timers. Hyper-trendies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have no time for any of them. So, so yeah, I've seen denied bail. Uh, according to the judge, it was, uh, a big part of that was the testimony of several of his victims at the bail hearing. Um, that and probably the, I don't know, 700 grand in cash and foreign passports that the FBI found yeah. in a safe in his house. Yeah. So he was Saudi Arabian the whole time. <laughs> that and the fact okay, that... Okay, by the, the way, the, time- uh, the best joke about that was someone said like, damn, Saudi Arabia really likes sponsoring controversial flights in America. <laughs> uh, yeah, all that plus the fact that the last time he was quote unquote in custody during his, during his, his penalty, yeah, yeah. he was allowed, like women were allowed access to him in custody. They would just sign in and they would get to go in. Amazing. Didn't he also have loose diamonds? He had loose diamonds, yes, which are very good for transporting value across borders right. easily. And sometimes you just lose track of your diamonds. 
in your couch cushions yeah, and whatnot. No, the thing, the one thing they took away from it is that is that the people who came out to talk were associates from Boyce, David Boyce's law firm, who are who have been the keep, people keeping this flame going after yeah. uh, Epstein's criminal conviction because they've been pursuing civil litigation on behalf of the victims. And David Boyce is an incredibly powerful figure. He argued for uh, Gore in the Bush v. Gore case. Yeah. He argued for the state in the Microsoft uh, antitrust case. And he, and he was uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein's attorney, who was the attorney who acquired the uh, ex-Mossad uh, investigative firm Black Cube to harass Weinstein accusers. So basically, if anybody is going to be implicated in, in a really high-end pedophile ring, he would be as much likely to as a guy like Dershowitz, who's he's at, been at war with over this case for years. Uh, Dershowitz has tried to get him disbarred uh, because of that. Uh, and that makes me think that one of two things is happening. One, this really isn't the giant pedophile conspiracy that people are kind of imagining it to be. It really is sort of a limited group of uh, sickos. Or this is what Richard Nixon used to call a limited hangout, where the, the, the degree, sort of the profligate degree of Epstein's criminality is too much to endure long term with the public eye. And so the last few years, especially since Epstein finished his uh, sentence, have been around cutting loose ends so that they could put him to bed, basically, and not have to worry about anything else getting uh, revealed by more investigative rigor being put onto him. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm thinking now, that this whole thing is basically a stitch up designed to prevent anybody from finding the, f- the full extent to which it goes. Uh, well, here, here's one uh, place that's already uh, led, and I'd like to share with you now. Um, you know, obviously, like, uh, you know, uh, outside of, you know, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton, you know, Alan Dershowitz is probably the, the, the biggest name that's been connected to all this. And, you know, he is uh, Dershowitz is doing so good right now that he's pitched an article about himself to Newsmax.com, wow. which is a website I didn't even know existed anymore. Like, if you go to the Newsmax website, it really looks like the internet circa 2002 yeah. or something like that. Like, it's very, very, uh, it has a retro feel to it. Who's you, making money off that? I would say that... Is that the uh, Joseph Farah guy? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those, one no. of those guys. No, oh, wait, wait, maybe it is Farah. I think the only people making money off of it are the survival seed and... Uh, uh, catheter delivery systems that that advertise. Well, you know it. what Newsmax pioneered, and I see, the, I still see oh, these. Uh, Joseph Farah did World Net Daily. Yes, <laughs> that's sorry. right. Uh, you know what Newsmax pioneered, and I actually still see these ads are uh, uh, little polls. Like, do you like Barack Obama? Yes, no. That sends you to a page where you fill in your information, and they offer you a free book or, or seed packet or, or you know survival tub or something of that nature. <laughs> and I guess they're. I, I assume that they're still operating on the residual income from old and potentially deceased people who had given them their credit card information through that. Yeah, it's sort of like a... Like our a, podcast. Yeah, like a Dead Souls sort of situation yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so, no, yeah, like uh, Dershowitz just just uh, just published something in uh, Newsmax that's intended to head off a big piece that the New Yorker is working on about him. And it's called, like, New Yorker, Jacques Uzet or something like that. And it's just basically him... <laughs> Saying like you know David Remnick has it out for me personally because I defend uh, Israel and yeah Yahoo. David Remnick a regular <laughs> Abu Nadal that guy. <laughs> yeah there's nothing New Yorker magazine is known for more than its rigorous defense of Palestinian rights yeah Fuck exactly so uh, Dershowitz is doing great he wants everyone <laughs> to know he's fine and not at all concerned about where he's, this case might be leading he's actually laughing yeah uh, the other guy who's also doing great. And wants everyone to know that like he's not bothered at all is Steven Pinker. <laughs> and I sort of got like if 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 nothing else comes out of this case but ruining his reputation, that would be awesome. I'll take it because he is like he has played Doctor Pangloss for like the worst people alive like as long as he's been a public oh, yeah. intellectual. Yeah. Like he's one of the biggest frauds that's been like coasting on the, on this reputation of being a genius that, who basically only flatters the incredibly wealthy and powerful. Yeah. Uh, no, he's a he's a court intellectual. I saw him at Aussie Fest last yeah, we don't, year. Yeah, we yeah, saw we him at Aussie Fest year, and the whole pitch was, "There's an app for everything. Don't worry about anything. Everything will be fine. The the powerful and the wealthy, they all are dedicated to using technology to make everything better. There's no need to fix anything. Leave it leave it to the professionals." And I think we said at the time because you know uh, our our third eye was just being you know sort of pried <laughs> open. That as he was talking, we saw the sort of Donnie Darko like tunnel come out of his chest and lead directly onto Epstein's plane. Yep, yep. 
So uh, he's come out with a because you know look there are like there there's, there's this picture that everyone's you know been circulating of him Lawrence Krauss uh, another 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 one of these like you know uh, public intellectuals who if you go to their Wikipedia page there's just a subhead that says allegations yeah. uh, who like you know and then like a big a big subplot of the Epstein thing is like how connected he is through funding and and uh, personal relationships and networking to uh, like the highest levels of academia. And the way he sort of collected um, prominent scientists and and what he you know he regarded as cutting edge thinkers, uh, Steven Pinker you know being being among them, and there's a picture of him and Lawrence Krauss uh, smiling and sitting at a table with Jeffrey Epstein that was taken in 2014. Now that that is a full seven years after he was originally convicted of solicitation in Florida. And no, he was convicted of, you know, the minor charge of solicitation. Yeah. But like the accusations were all there. Everyone knew that. Like shit. Everybody knew that shit by then. And it was posted on the Facebook. It's all since been scrubbed, but it was posted on the Facebook page of the Jeffrey Epstein Foundation. And this is clearly at a gala dinner of uh, something he sponsored called the, the uh, fuck. Um, it's called like the Origin Society at ASU of which uh, Pinker is also associated with. So, like, through his funding of all of these various philanthropic endeavors, you know, Pinker is like, oh, I, I was in the same circles with him, and, you know, I was ended up in this one photograph with him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, but I'm saying, like, the, the context was you were still attending a dinner sponsored by his money yeah. for a program that you're in 2014. To which, like nobody has ever explained why in 2014 anyone how is he not a would pariah? be in the same fucking room with this guy? How is he not a permanent pariah after that? That's like, the it, question. Like, 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 it, like it'd be almost impossible to plead ignorance to the fact of what he was accused of, which no. is let's be honest, pimping teenage girls right. and sexually abusing them. Yes, and you know, so either you are actively complicit in those crimes, or just cynically willing to take the money of a serial rapist and have your photo taken with the glad handing with him in exchange for his funding. Either way, it's a bad look. It's so here. So here's what um, uh, Pinker has has finally taken to uh, the internet to address these, uh, you know allegations and by allegations i mean photos of him yeah. <laughs> and his name on those flight logs he has chosen to post this at the blog why evolution is true <laughs> okay i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna need a fact check on this <laughs> one. so uh let's begin here he says i'm happy to share my encounters with epstein <laughs> <laughs> the this is pinker writing here uh, this is pinker emailed the proprietor of uh why evolution is true uh, again, we're, we're waiting for how many pants on fire that statement um, has. But he goes, uh, the, the annoying irony is that I could never stand the guy, never took, <laughs> never took research funding from him, and always tried to keep my distance. Friends and colleagues described him to me as a quantitative genius and a scientific sophisticate, and they invited me to salons and coffee clutches at which he held court. But I found him to be a kibitzer and a dilettante. He would abruptly change the subject, ADD style, dismiss an observation with an adolescent wisecrack, and privilege his own intuitions over systematic data. I think the dislike was mutual. According to a friend, he, quote, voted me off the island, presumably because he was sick of me trying to keep the conversation on track and correcting him when he shot off his mouth on topics he knew nothing about. Maybe not the best time to use that metaphor. <sighs> <laughs> I think he means literally, but like, like, but here's the thing though. He's trying to say like, you know, I never liked the guy and always tried to keep him at arm's length. But the very first sort of like evidence of that, that Pinker's giving here seems to imply that it was, that was the opposite, that Epstein was actually trying to keep him at distance. Yeah. He was, I was trying to separate. Like, I was hanging out with him and we were doing, we were doing great. I kept coming sudden, to his house and coffee clutches, but he never he liked me. He wouldn't let me back in. And then he would, yeah, also. I, I, he was like a he was a, a a jerk know-it-all. Really? That was the big problem with Epstein. He wasn't rigorous enough in his scientific rigorous enough in his scientific th thinking. That was the thing that made him bad. Interesting. Right, he sounds like a fake friend. So he goes here, but Epstein had insinuated himself with so many people I intersected with Alan Dershowitz, Martin Nowak, John Brockman, Steve Coslin, Lawrence Krauss. I'm sure all those guys are glad you're bringing them up as well here. <laughs> so I was just like... Shut, shut <laughs> no, don't stop. So uh, he goes here, and so many institutions he helped fund. Harvard's program in evolutionary dynamic, dynamics, ASU's Origins Project, and even Harvard Hillel. Again, he started out by saying I never took research funding from him. But I, oh, all the organizations that I'm a fellow and a member of uh, definitely did take yeah. money from him. Uh, so he goes that I often ended up at the same place with him. 
most of these gatherings were prior to the revelation of his sex crimes, such as at the 2002 plane trip to the TED Talk with Dawkins, Dennett, Brockmans, and others. But Krauss's Origins Projects meetings came after he served his sentence. So, yeah, again, like the picture everyone's talking about was in 2014. Yeah. A full seven years after he was convicted of solicitation. Yeah. Since I was often the most recognizable person in the room. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> These well, cloud sharks. Stupid are, yeah, haircut. Yeah. Uh, since I was often the most recognizable person in the room, someone would snap a picture. Some of them resurfaced this past week, circulated by people who disagree with me on various topics and apparently believe that photos are effective arguments. In the interest of full disclosure, there was another connection. Alan Dershowitz and I are friends and colleagues, and we taught a course together at Harvard. He often asked me questions about syntax and the semantics of laws. Most recently, the impeachment statute. While he was representing Epstein, he asked me about the natural interpretation of one of the relevant laws, and I offered my opinion. This was cited in a court document. I did it as a favor to a friend and a colleague, not as a paid expert witness. But now I regret that I did so. And needless to say, I find Epstein's behavior reprehensible. So I love that he's using this to exonerate himself. And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I, I gave my legal advice to his defense, but I didn't do it as any, like, ex- any type of expert witness or testimony. I just did it as a favor to a friend who's also deeply implicated in his many <laughs> horrific crimes. Also, when I say that I'm uh, horrified by Epstein's conduct, I mean being a uh, churl at parties. The only thing I actually care about. Yeah, you know, he says he has ADD, which, yeah. by the way, canceled. <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about how, how, like in all his books, he's written at length about, you know, uh, you know how much he abhors uh, the violence, violence against and the exploitation of women. And he closes by saying, as far as I know, I'm the only writer who has documented and celebrated actual progress in reducing violence against women and argued that this progress shows that the effort is not futile and should embolden us to press for greater reduction still. The only writer. You're the only writer who's ever done that. Well, I guess you could say you're the only writer who's ever done that and been photographed smiling at the same table next to a serial rapist. Look, uh, I, I celebrate myself. I contain contrasts. What's his name? Whitman. Whitman. Uh-oh. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's not helping. And then the, uh, the guy who, uh, who, who runs Why Evolution is True uh, just says here, oh, he, he closes, of course, by saying, uh, last year I was featured in a New York Times op-ed by Jesse Single called Social Media is Making Us Dumber. Here's Exhibit A. This year I appear to be Exhibit B. <laughs> so he's just saying like, oh, this is all Twitter and social media's fault. And then the guy who runs Why Evolution is True closes by saying, there you have it. If people are going to tar Pinker by flaunting his association with Epstein, then Pinker deserves a reply. This is his reply and any further discussion to take it into account. Good. I think it, I think it should be taken into account. Yeah, it's all going on into the file. Wait, the blog is called Why uh, Evolution is True. So that's just what the whole blog is about, just uh, why evolution is true. I mean, you know? it's like th- I think it's all just like new atheism shit. Uh, and the occasional uh, defense by a guy who hangs out with a convicted pedophile. So uh, there you go. That's 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 your that's your weekly update on the uh, the Epstein case we'll, and the people we'll, surrounding it. This is oof, this is really going to be interesting, honestly. When, when it starts coming out, what what they found in the safes and stuff, the degree to which there's even going to be a possibility of implication wider. There was an article today where they're claiming people in the DA's office or the, the U.S. Attorney's office is claiming like huge, massive number of incredibly powerful people being implicated. Uh, I don't know. My guess is that we end up getting two or three people getting stitched up. Probably Dershowitz. Dershowitz is probably completely fucked one way or the other. But uh, I have a feeling it's just never going to materialize. It's always going to be sort of at the edge, just like everything else in this era. It's like it feels like we might come to a reckoning and then nope. No reckoning. We just keep pushing it off into the sunset, into the into nothing. I've been thinking a lot about uh, something Brendan uh, said to me over the weekend, which is that like we're living in an era now where like in a couple years, like everyone everybody is either going to be a normie or like a full time crank, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're like if you're interested in politics at all, no matter what you know uh, ideology or side of the political spectrum or any interest whatsoever you come from or to. Uh, you will be like a full a full crank. Oh yeah, and then everyone else will just sort of like you know, as H.P. Lovecraft said, you know, retreat into the bliss of our second dark age and just be watching like you know, Avengers Flatbread Mowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's how it's always been, though. Maybe the contrast is sharper now. I think what's going to happen though is that I think people are going to realize that to commit to 
you know, having politics is, is going to fundamentally alienate you. Uh, you're not going to be able to dabble, I think, is what we're, is what he's, is what I mean, politics is it's it's in this era an affectation or a distraction. It's just something to occupy your time with and yeah, make you into a crank who's obsessed with this sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's the thing. We're all going to end up completely insane. And it's cool. And I can't wait just to be a gibbering maniac. But yeah, but like, I think we're getting to the point where like that we have to the, the, the cranks are, are, are right, basically. Yeah. In their own like weird and competing ways. They've all had pieces of, of the we same. all have. Yeah, we're all yeah. touching the elephant. We're blind man touching different parts of the elephant. And yeah, uh, actually, you know, you laugh at me because I'm different. Well, guess what? <laughs> I laugh at you because you're all the same. All right. Uh, uh, moving on from that before we uh, go full, full Epstein brain. But I mean, Matt's already there. I'm so. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm here and I, I can't wait to bring you guys over over time one of us yes one of us just like you know just pointing and shrieking like donald sutherland at the end of uh invasion i have such sights to show you guys uh okay let's talk about something else uh like this is probably like the biggest story in the news right now and uh you know uh you know on sunday i was sort of like uh because of our uh brief interaction and photo op with uh representative ilan omar I i was worried that there would be um you know some blowback uh, to her for you know being seen with you know Dubro misogynist podcast, but we worry th- too much. But thankfully, uh, we've had a big assist from our president who came through and made sure that nobody and took a picture with us, <laughs> and that shows that you know we're both sides and it's okay. Well, he ensured that basically nobody would uh, talk about or care about that at all by ba- starting out the week by telling her. Basically reciting John Turturro's monologue from Do the Right Thing to <laughs> Ilan Omar, Ayanna Presley, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Rashida Tlaib. Uh, yeah. Telling them to go back to their own country or to, in Ilan Omar's case, go back to Africa. Another masterful stroke by the political gamesman himself, Donald Trump. Well, this is what Jake Tapper, uh, so like, this is what Jake Tapper uh, has been working the phones and, and according to him, talking to you know, scads of uh, Democratic uh, representatives, all of whom he granted anonymity to, to say, basically, this is Trump's 12-dimensional chess, and he's he's checkmated the Democrats once again by forcing them to, I don't know, do the moral or human thing in defending these four congresswomen from yes. his, you know, baying uh, racist attacks. Yeah, because they said bad things about Israel, which means that they're uh, be- they're beyond support, and it's and we're yeah. Uh, but by tying the Democrats to them, they're dooming dooming the Democrats in twenty twenty. Yeah, and uh, you know, just last night in North Carolina, uh, you know, Trump ba- baited his crowd into chanting "Send her back, send her back" after he went off on Ilan Omar for like a good four or five minute riff mm. about you know how ungrateful she is. I mean, that's that's the new line with the right wing it was like charles uh, cw cuck and the national review and all these guys are just being like uh because you know she was allowed into america as a refugee from a war-torn country she owes it to america and by america i mean me personally to agree with me politically and pretend that america is like the the best of all possible worlds well it's totally inco- it's always been an incoherent thing because Conservative politics is defined by complaining about America and how shitty it is and how it needs to be changed. Dinesh D'Souza wrote a book after 9-11, another immigrant, by the way, wrote a book after 9-11 that said that the left was responsible for it. And not just the left, but American culture in yes. general is one-to-one responsible for 9-11 happening. He said that the Al-Qaeda, that the, that the, the fundamentalist Wahhabist critique of American culture is correct, and therefore we brought it on ourselves. Uh, which is well, indistinguishable from a guy like Ward Churchill with his roosting chickens. It's just it's totally cultural just, and it yeah, has no relationship to material imperial uh, actions. So, and that's why it's okay because it's fucking bullshit as opposed to actually talking about you know what the United States does around the world. Uh, you know there was a Ch- Charles Cook in the National Review just saying like you know it's natural to be uh, disgusted with her because she's an ingrate to America who who saved her, and it's just like she became a fucking congresswoman. How is that not great, uh, grateful to the country that? Well, the know, idea her- is is that she is a fifth columnist that she's beca- she's sneaking into the government so that she can uh, eventually pass the Al Qaeda Legalization Act of twenty twenty four, something like that. Like she can she can create Sharia law from the inside. That, Here's that's the a, idea. 
Here's um, uh, Andrew C. McCarthy uh, writing in the National Review about uh, Trump and the, quote, racist tweets. And he says, there's a difference between racist and just stupid. And he goes, what does racist even mean anymore? I don't know. Read any issue of the National Review <laughs> from the 1960s or 70s. Uh, you get a pretty good idea of what, what is racist. He goes, uh, like many Americans, I am tired of being lectured about racism by racists and racialists, individuals whose full field explanation for all of life's issues is a matter of genetic happenstance that should be increasingly irrelevant in a pluralistic society. Is it racist to tell people who have contempt for the country, who abhor the common culture that makes us American, that they ought to go back where they came from? It has nativist and reactionary overtones, but I don't think it's racist. Idiot. <laughs> Matt, but like, to your point, though, you're exactly right. Like, there is no one who hates America like as a group of people, as a country. Forget its history or government, because everybody basically just takes turns hating our government and hating different aspects of our history. There is nobody in contemporary American life who despises the country as it's currently constituted, the things it believes in, the people who live here, than conservatives. Right. If you want to talk about the common culture, that is like, we've talked about this over and over again, that is the, the right's number one gripe, and it's the thing that's driving them the most insane, is that, that, that they have achieved political power, but are still ostracized from the culture. Right, yeah. They want Everything TV from... shows and celebrities to reassure them that they're the good guys. Right. And e if anything that is doubled down on the, like, the opposite of that has happened. Everything from fucking drag queen story hours at libraries to Jimmy Fallon or fucking uh, uh, Stephen Colbert is, pr is proof that there's some captured, corrupt, uh, agenda-driven, uh, sexually licentious cabal running American culture. How are you supposed to say that these people fucking love America? And the thing is, that's fine. Nobody likes it. It's all bullshit. The idea that there is some America that we're all supposed to, that's an old idea. The idea that there's this idea of America that we're all, no matter what our differences are, we all come together around a basic premise wherein we accept America as a political and cultural institution, a, 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 a presence in the world stage, and that, you know, that's gone. That we're we're basically we're fucking warring uh, Celtic tribes and fucking Roman era Gaul. We're, we're, we have like that's why that's why like liberals spent two three years now trying to get conservatives to get mad about Russian interference in the elections. It's like don't you care that a foreign country got you got this guy in there? No, because he's on their side. They don't fucking care because they only care about their faction winning. America has fallen apart as a as a thing that people have any kind of commitment to across an ideological uh, divide. There is an idea of what you would want it to be, and then there is the this ramshackle system that has exists now that falls short in any million ways, depending on what how you uh, diagnose it, and you are committed, if you're politically activated, towards wiping out anything within it that is against that as well. You, like that's inevitable. That's what happens when, uh, when like the fantasy of, of a national project is finally, uh, uh, removed. I mean, and that's what it always was. It was always a propaganda ex exercise and now it's finally breaking down and, and people are still using these absurd old concepts to try to accuse one another of being, being unpatriotic. Uh, both sides do that. It's like, you're not taught. There's, there's no thing to be patriotic about. There's no, common accepted notion of america for anyone to accuse somebody else of betraying there is only their side's uh, uh project their their idea of what to turn it into and like to that idea about like uh the idea of you know what you'd like this country to be i think we saw a good example of that over the weekend when all of these uh ice raids were perpetrated and I think it was like someone posted a video of uh, like Sunset Park in Queens on like a, a weekend and it was like empty. And there would like normally be like tons of people in there like on a, you know, a summer weekend afternoon out, you know, uh, just doing what they do of a day. And nobody was there because everyone was afraid to leave their house. And I think it was like David Roth pointed this out. Is it like that's the that's the version of America that Trump and the right wing in this country want? And, like, you'd have to be as boring and dumb as them to want to live there. Yeah, it's like an eternal uh, cheesecake factory. It's awesome. That You ever seen the fucking menus at those places? They're amazing. There's, like, 16 different uh, chicken breasts you can get. So as far as, like, you know, Ilan Omar now has basically become public enemy number one. To Like, she, she is, like, the, the object of their two minutes of hate now. 
Like, so like she is the person that they are now fixated on probably even more so than uh, Cortez, who, mm-hmm. who, who was that, you know, because previously. she's got the extra elements of foreignness. She's yeah. an immigrant. She's uh, black. She's a Muslim. Yeah, it's it's the fucking and trifecta. Like visibly Muslim. Yeah. As they, they say she wears the hijab. Yeah, no, she's um, uh, she's got she's got it all, baby. So like, obviously, we know how like the the, the the right wing is responding to this. And that's, you know, a stadium full of people chanting, you know, send her back you know, deport her from the country of which she's a citizen of because, you know, she had the temerity to get elected to Congress. Uh, but how about the Democrats? Because to be honest, they bear just as much, if not more responsibility for this state of affairs as it pertains to Ilan Omar and the three other Congresswomen uh, as the Republicans do. And I mean, like we've talked about this for weeks now, months now on the show. Every single person out there who considers himself a Democrat, a liberal or even a leftist who paid even a moment's credence to the idea that uh, she has, you know, harbors anti-Semitic beliefs or has used anti-Semitic tropes? Uh, I lay this at your doorstep. Oh yeah, C- come and collect, come and collect your prize because hmm. this is what this is what you've created. And like, what like what are you saying? Like, uh, I I don't agree that she should be deported from the country, but I do agree that she hates uh, Jews in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like what? Yeah, what do you think? What is supposed what, what to be these? the end result of that? Uh, what was it uh, Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats, you know, sponsored a resolution condemning, you know, anti-Semitism? I They're, think were they uh, it didn't pass, right? Because they couldn't get it together. No, to it, do it. it passed. But it was. It, oh, it, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other resolution. No, no, no. no uh, the anti-Semitism. I believe they pulled the vote. Yeah, because they couldn't right agree there. on the fucking wording. Of it. Well, they put their names to it. And I'm just saying it's just proof of their general incompetence is that they can't really do anything, even symbolic shit. And like now they, they tried to do the other thing where they tried to get a resolution passed to condemn uh, Trump's racist tweets. You know, after the after they've opened the door to all this shit and Trump, you know, walks through it, then they say, oh, like we have to condemn his his, his hurtful, you know, racist rhetoric or whatever. And they couldn't even do that because of some fucking weird, obscure house rule that said you can't call the president racist. That like dates back to Thomas Jefferson or something insane like it's that. It's interesting. So it was original, a rule imposed by Jefferson's sort of a les majesty type deal where you can't slander the president uh, uh, in the in the house. And then over the years, the house parliamentarian has had different rulings on what that means and the last time the the thing that they referred to which says explicitly you can't call the president racist was put i believe uh was was put into the record like right after trump got the nomination in 2016 <laughs> i mean you want to talk about 12 dimensional chess i guess they they were seeing a few moves ahead there mm-hmm. but yeah no it's 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 Pelosi and the Democratic leadership shares just as much blame as Trump and or any of his fucking. Well, I mean, if you want to like really go back and do the forensic timeline here, it all started because AOC and and the squad were were criticizing uh, Pelosi for uh, like slow rolling things and and not being uh, aggressive enough. I think on issues like uh, impeachment and other things, and then Pelosi went to the press to complain about them and to say that they were being. Uh, that they were overstepping their grounds, that they didn't know what they were doing, blah, blah, blah. A thing that they never do. She never does when, when moderates Like I said, for like Gottheimer. Like Gottheimer yeah. fucked her over on that. Uh, well, that was the real kindling was the, was the uh, ICE uh, funding yeah. resolution. And that was a thing where they were going to, they were ready to, to not vote on the Senate bill. And then Gottheimer and the Problem Solvers Caucus show up and say, oh. we're not going to vote for that. You have to pass the Senate bill, fund, fund the camps. And of course, she never she did not complain to the press about them doing that, but she did complain about AOC and the squad complaining about it. Yeah, because the, the, there's nothing that a, a that the, that a conservative faction can do that can cause them to be censored by the House leadership. Specifically, calling out the Democrats who voted for the ICE funding bill. Right, and that can only come only chastisement can only happen on the left. So they went public, complained about it. AOC uh, went out and said that she felt like uh, Pelosi was uh, being racially insensitive by attacking these uh, these women of color. Honestly, I don't know if that was the right tack to take. I think it kind of obscured the real conflict between the leadership and the left of sure. the Democratic uh, House grouping, whatever. Uh, but then 
That led to another war of words. Uh, Pelosi's spokesman is retweeting, uh, keep her name out your mouth, uh, uh, clap back. Oh, God, that was embarrassing. And then, most amazingly enough, the Democrats commission a fucking yeah. rigged poll of a thousand uh, non-college educated whites to uh, produce data that that AOC and those and those members yeah. of Congress are very unpopular. I have the, I have this here. It says uh, an anonymous Democratic group leaked an internal poll to Axios on Sunday sh- that shows quote swing voters deeply dislike prominent progressive lawmakers, deepening a public rift within the party. Uh, the poll found that Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez had a twenty two percent approval rating, and Representative Ilan Omar of Minnesota had a nine percent approval rating among one thousand and three quote likely general election voters who are white and have two years or less of college education and knew of the two outspoken lawmakers. A whopping 74% of these voters had heard of Ocasio-Cortez, while 53% had heard of Omar. If all voters hear about his AOC, it could put the House majority at risk, a Democrat involved in 2020 congressional races told Axios. She's getting all the news and defining everyone else's races. What I would like to know about, I mean, again, like the fact that they did this anonymously and like who is the polling outfit that conducted this? Sure. Like, but like the thing is, why don't they ask that same group of voters how they feel about Nancy Pelosi or Democrats in general? Well, yeah, right. somewhere Obama was born. And yeah, <laughs> just post the numbers. Uh, no, that's the thing is that, and then they called them swing voters, and that is explicitly no, that is that's not the case. That is they're not swing voters. Utterly they're, false. They're a Republican base constituency, and so they produce this, and then that is when Trump gets in. That's when Trump decides to jump into the thing, and he uses this as part of his general. Uh, campaign against them said, for being a bunch Trump of appeared to refer, Yeah, he goes, President Trump uh, appeared to refer to the poll in a Monday tweet in which he argued that the congresswomen were, quote, very unpopular and unrepresentative. Yeah, and that's when the whole thing started, and then it ends up with him and his fucking Nuremberg rally having a bunch of hooting swine uh, chanting, send her back. So there you go, and uh, uh, here, here's, another, here's another example of uh, this shit from, like, like I said, I lay it squarely squ- squarely at their doorstep uh one of our favorites um bungar sargon of uh the the forward she's an bungar sargon of a cod bunga bunga party sargon of a she's 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 a op-ed editor for the forward and you know she has gone on in you know intensely about uh the tropes the tropes about you know all about the benjamins and you know it's a trope to uh criticize apac on the same day this is yesterday she starts out the day uh, referring to uh, uh, Omar's plan to introduce uh, a, BD- a pro-BDS resolution in the House. By the way, th- I'm just reading the headline from uh, that she's linking to. By the way, it is not a pro-BDS resolution she's introducing. It is a resolution that simply states Americans have a constitutional right to support BDS. At a, t- at a time when that is absolutely being tried to, to be- fucking boycott something if you don't want to fucking engage with it. I mean, a, a fundamental free speech issue. Which so, is, it's like all, all these all these people have decided that that, that the right to you know to, to choose to do business with someone based on your own moral sentiment that is absolute except when it comes to Israel. So uh, she linked to that, and then she says here of of Omar, is she working for Donald Trump's campaign? Sort of like thinking emoji. Is she working for his campaign? That's at four twenty three p.m. and then at nine oh seven p.m. after Trump, like you said, had his Nuremberg rally. She tweets here, before the Nazis exterminated six million Jews, they took away their citizenship. A stateless person has no rights, which renders their blood cheap. There is nothing more dangerous than the idea that citizenship is mutable. Shame on Donald Trump for feeding this bile to his followers. Jesus Christ. It's like, do you have, I mean, this person has no fucking shame whatsoever. No, none. It's like, dude, just at least have the balls to fucking stand with the president because it's it's a very incoherent view because she's saying uh, in the first part of it, you know, we this is going to hurt uh, uh, whoever the Democratic nominee is because it'll help, uh, prevent them from appealing to the, the baying, racist, hooting crowd and Trump's crowd. I mean, that's basically it, because who else gives a shit about BDS? No, other than it. just like freeze dried evangelical psychos in fucking Texas excerpts. You really think the average fucking you really think that those mythical swing voters in Michigan with the fucking late you know, been laid off from their factory jobs and the opiate addicted kids give a shit about BDS? They think it's a fucking Korean band that their weird <laughs> youngest child really likes. Damn. Oh, you mean those guys, those YouTube guys? Yeah, she won't stop watching them. What's this about them? I guess pro. I, I'd rather be against them, frankly, but I don't know. So they have a right to sing and dance. They don't have a right to lip sync, though. 
so yeah, uh, I guess like, you know, uh, decide for yourself here because I mean, this is one of those things where it's just like, if you want to say that, oh, I stand with Ilan Omar against the president's racist attacks, then uh, maybe spare me if you've already spent like months uh, insinuating that she's an anti-Semite or some kind of fifth column or is, you know, uh, undermining the Democratic Party by taking a simple, clear moral stance that should be shared by anyone who considers themselves a person of conscience. Well, that's the issue is that is that these things are inextricably linked is that is that she feels bound by conscience to oppose the the ex the 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 Israeli occupation as as people of conscience should and the, there's no way to array against that position without getting in bed with the most cynical and uh, violent and and racist pieces of shit in this country because that's the coalition who who is in favor of continuing the Israeli occupation and that's what these people hate about Donald Trump i saw i saw, I saw one person the other day say you know like uh, the, the worst thing about Trump and like you know uh, like all these attacks he's doing is that like he's making it hard for you know he's making it seem like pro Israel is like indecent or whatever. it is yeah good <laughs> once again the, for all the horror of seeing him up there Trump reveals what was previously fucking hidden about this goddamn system and thank God even if we all just watch it with fucking slack jaws until the earth melts at least we fucking knew we weren't we weren't being. We weren't. It wasn't hidden behind something that we weren't able to, to perceive. You know, uh, uh, contra that point of view, uh, one of my favorite, uh, you know, uh, comments of the past week or whatever was uh, Chris Saliza, King of the Wonks, was just like he was like, you know, the unmistakable thing that I keep coming back to is just how different the Republican Party is today than in 2015. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it no, isn't. It's just it's this led is, by a this moron. is the same party under as it was under Ronald Reagan. You know, like it's this, it's been the same party as long as I and probably anyone listening to this has been alive. It's just like it's just now you can't pretend otherwise because the the guy in charge of the party for the first time ever is is senile. And you might say, well, Reagan was senile. Yes, but Reagan was corralled by a bunch of handlers and the Internet didn't exist. We now are in a situation where there is a senile, demented maniac who is able to put every one of his thoughts instantly onto the Internet. For everyone to see. And that means that everyone then on the Republican side has to put themselves into contortions to defend everything he says, which means that there's no more artifice. There's no more there's no more decent cover for any of this shit. It's just pure baying fucking nativism. And like the, you know, the for the House and Senate Democratic leadership. I mean, they're sick to their stomach that they have to uh, denounce Trump for attacking Ilan Omar and Ocasio-Cortez because they hate them worse than Trump. Well, that's what they told our boy Jake Tapper. Yeah. Uh, and did you see that? Today, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where he just gave a free Completely, run. For, well, first of all, he said an, that they an, spoke to me with candor about their feelings. And if they had spoken with candor, they would have put in a fucking name to it or you wouldn't have allowed them to anonymously snipe about it. Yeah. And talk about how oh we have to support her, but this sucks because of all the anti-Semitism. Oh well, and he just gets to put that out there without any any brackets, any kind of uh, uh, equivocation. Just no, yeah, no, they're big anti-Semites, and 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 Trump. It's like can't you see the way that this works? When Trump was getting them to chant uh, "send her back," in the next breath, he's like, "She's such an awful anti-Semite." That's how they justify it. It's not just being a psycho uh, nativist who's demanding some sort of, uh, uh, you know, transportation for for mud people or whatever. They're anti-Semitic, and that's the thing. Oh, they're doing terrible anti-Semitism, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, the big argument that they make, the practical argument, is uh, AOC and Ilan Omar. They're so unpopular that it's going to hurt the moderate Democrats in swing districts who necessarily have to vote in this way. They have to vote to fund ICE. They have to compile a moderate bipartisan voting record if they're going to get reelected in a place that voted for Donald Trump by like five or ten percent. But the thing is, someone like AOC or Ilhan Omar, that's only going to be a cudgel if you give them an inch and you let them be smeared. So everyone who contributed to the notion that I don't necessarily agree that they're a liability at all. I think that's, that's uh, a, that's a, a flawed point, but you know, taking that logic seriously, if, you let them get smeared or you actively smear them as anti-Semites. You shouldn't be surprised when ads are being run saying your congressman hangs out with an anti-Semite. Exactly. And whether it's this or uh, what's going on with Corbyn in the UK right now, like if you 
like allow anyone or people who, who purport to speak for you or your values to just stay unchallenged. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, they've said anti-Semitic things or they harbor anti-Semitic beliefs. No, no, they don't. They never have. And it is 100 percent a fabrication. You're either uh, you're either you feel personally indicted by their moral stand because you feel complicit in the evil that they are they are condemning or you're a fucking sap or a cynic who's like happily playing along with this. And this idea that like again and again, people allow themselves to be, uh, you know, uh, nudged into like, you know, taking a position that's like, well, you know, obviously I condemn the president for what he said or, you know, the Tory party and their awful depredations. But, you know, I think we should, you know, discuss like the the problem of, you know, anti-Semitism or whatever. It's it's like, no, you're a you're a fucking sucker. No, no, they have not said or done anything anti-Semitic. But the thing is, is that I don't honestly even think they're suckers. The real threat to their power is is people to their left. It's not to the de- 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 Republican establishment. They they work within the system. They're there. They get paid either way, one way or the other. Either as lobby, even if they lose their their jobs, they get to be fucking lobbyists. The only thing that threatens their position is if there's some sort of fundamental uh, a sh- a change to the to the order as it exists. And so the only people that they see as red line threats are people to their left who propose uh, who who represent. A structural challenge to them, and so they're willing to do. They're doing. The, they're willing to do the dirty work. They're willing to 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 commission a fake a fucking poll to to wave in people's face so they could say, "I can't really support them because they're so unpopular." Even though they're the ones making it happen. I'm reminded of 1972 uh, when uh, McGovern ran against Nixon. The, the 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 phrase that was used to undermine him was he was the candidate of acid amnesty and abortion. Well, that first of all, phrase, all three of those things are awesome. Of course. But that pithy little phrase was not created in, by the fucking uh, the committee to reelect the president. It wasn't one of uh, Nixon's like plumber's ideas. It was a quote, a, a, a anonymous quote from uh, Senator Thomas Eagleton, a Democrat, about how McGovern was a threat during when he was doing his insurgent uh, uh, primary campaign. The ultimate irony being that Eagleton ended up being McGovern's vice president. Uh, nominee briefly until it was revealed that he had undergone electroshock uh, therapy. Well, that was the creepy guys did do that from the uh, from the ticket. But now, like that, they'll do it. They'll fucking knife anybody to the left because that's the real threat, and they don't care what the results are because they will be secure either way as long as the greater system is maintained. Um. Yeah. So while while all this is going on, and you know, like we, we brought up the the Epstein thing, and you know, Pelosi when asked, um, "What are you going to do about Acosta?" You're going to impeach him? And she said, like, it's Trump's cabinet, basically. By the way, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I just saw a blind item. I'm turning into Nick Mullen seriously that uh, somebody got a hold of the list of everyone who was at Bohemian Grove last summer. Nancy Pelosi's husband was there. So, like, you know, while, while all this is going on, like, do you think maybe it would have been a more productive use of their time if they want to get rid of this, you know, awful, abominable president who we are, you know, assured over and over again is a... Uh, you know, a, a grotesque aberration from American history and political norms. Do you think it would have been maybe a better use of their time to spend the last two years investigating, I don't know, all of the rapes he's allegedly done <laughs> rather than chasing this chimera about Russia and Russian interference? And here's another perfect example of that. So while this is all going on this week, and, you know, again, Trump is, you know, inveighing against uh, four American citizens that they should be exiled from the country for not loving it the same way he does. Uh, what do Democrats uh, choose to focus on? Well, they've issued a warning about the Russian-based face-morphing app, <laughs> Face App, because everyone is turning themselves into sexy ladies and old people. But wouldn't you know it? It's a, it's a Russian-connected company. And people are like, oh, you're giving your face to the, the Kremlin or oh, whatever. Oh, no, yeah. they, could do copra- they could do a deep fake of you having sex with a snake. And it goes, uh, the growing popularity of FaceApp, a photo filter app that delights smartphone users with its ability to transform the features of any face, like tacking on years of wrinkles, has prompted Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer to call for a federal investigation into the <laughs> Russia-based company over what he says are potential national security and privacy <laughs> risks to millions of Americans. It would be deeply troubling if the sensitive personal information of U.S. citizens was provided to a hostile foreign power actively engaged in cyber hostilities against the United States, Schumer said in a letter to the FBI and the Federal Trade Commission. Isn't Schumer just the king of finding these, like, 
one-off moral pan. Like, wasn't he the oh, guy yeah. got He's four the guy who got four loco panned. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he would be in the paper every week with the new moral panic. No, he's the he's the he's the uh, reason. Fake the, weed was another one. Yes, no, he's the reason well, that, that should be bad. The Democrats. Well, yeah, that stuff is disgusting. Yeah. He's the reason that he Democrats are terrible because we're never going to change anything about your conditions, but we're going to take the few things that make living bearable and ban them. Like uh, San Francisco banning vaping. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, all this shit about face app and oh no, you're giving the Russians your face. They're going to use it, Comprobot, and all that shit about deep fakes. Oh no, they're going to do deep fakes. This is all about Epstein, baby. Come on. When all those tape, if those tapes do get leaked of, of of compromising powerful wealthy Democrats doing heinous shit on the island, deep fake. It's a deep fake. It's really baffling to me this panic, considering how much we know and we have known for the past fifteen years about the NSA, about the American intelligence yeah. community, and about American law enforcement. They can turn your phone on anytime they want and record whatever they you're saying. And as well, how much personal data you have ceded to tech monopolies simply because of the digitization of all aspects of your life like you oh you put it all out there you've you've given it all to them and you didn't complain and you're not really galled by it because the only thing you care about is, is the, the russian bear fucking you up like like there's no yeah. danger what, to like, what is what silicon is, valley having that like what, what is a more immediate threat to like my freedom and privacy uh, the GRU or Palantir. You know what I mean? Like, there's an ocean separating me from Russia. Yeah. Well, Palantir is just in fucking Palo Alto. Yeah. And they're, and, the and, ones... like, and, they're, and they're the ones who are using, like, facial recognition software to, like, round up, uh, you know, refugees. Yes. And deport them from America. Yes. Like, I, I say a fucking word and, like, an Instagram ad for that will show up on my phone, like, two minutes later. We've just accepted that. Yeah. Yes. No, we live in the Panopticon nightmare that they used to warn us about in the 90s. Like, remember Enemy of the State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that is in that movie that they were worried about, oh, God. Like, not, not an exaggeration. If you watch, go and watch Enemy of the State again and look at the, the hor- what, what evil NSA director John Voight is trying to do. That has been revealed to be true, and nothing happened. The late great Tony Scott. And it's amazing. You imagine like they have, there was that big shootout in the basement in the back of the Italian restaurant and all those guys died. And you just think, why were you bothering? No one would have cared. Just put it out there and everyone's just gonna go, Damn, that's fucked up. Oh well. Selfie time. But yeah, no. are we gonna stop taking selfies? No, are we gonna of course stop not. putting photos of ourselves on the internet? I like, can't no. do it. Love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love I love I love finding out what I would look like if I was an Asian twink. <laughs> it's too much fun to not do that. Uh, go ahead, GRU. You know, put me in a commercial for some beet-based energy drink. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I have got a little reading series for you guys, and uh, this one's a little different. Usually, the reading series are op-eds. You know, they're they're pieces of prose writing. This time, I have a bit of poetry for you. Hell yes! Mm-hmm. We have some verse here for you. This comes courtesy of American Greatness Magazine, and this is by uh, a writer named uh, Carolina uh, Provocatia, which is the uh, Provocatia. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the pseudonym of a woman who lives and works in quote the swamp in Washington D.C. Hmm. I thought they drained that. What, what's See, going on? It's, it's the pen name of a patriot living and working in the swamp. They really need to get on draining it. Hurry this, up. this is a poem uh, she has written for uh, American Greatness magazine called Cuck Elegy. <laughs> Cuck Elegy. So let's uh, put on your berets and please snap instead of clapping. We're going to be passing the, <laughs> the, the basket around at the end. This of is this. a juice and coffee bar, no alcohol. Yeah. So this is Cuck Elegy by some anonymous patriot living and working in the swamp. There is a category of lowly man intoxicated by his own brand a valiant salvation for those lowly outcasts meek cash poor this worm seasoned minorities a proxy for his purity the perfect opportunity to show his deep immunity to any selfish racist cause like enforcing domestic laws (laughs) those can be altered as niceness dictates anything to root out hate root out the immigrants opposition commence the liberal inquisition those redneck fools deserve to languish. The worm blames sloth for all their anguish. 
I like I like that line. It's like worm and sloth. It's like two different animals, the but they, they both mean different things. Sloth. Okay. The worm blames sloth. Is this whole thing a fucking poem? Yeah. Oh no. And it rhymes too. Yeah. Oh, no. This is this Lord. is verse. This is the worm blames sloth Ugh. for all their anguish. Heritage nation consumed by vice. You just need to be more nice. <laughs> the global south deigns to redeem you. Be grateful for they generate revenue. That the, doesn't even rhyme. For the masters you failed to serve, those men, the worms who pose to conserve, those values you have clearly lost. This is the capitalist Pentecost. <laughs> Submit to the modernists, spirit of avarice. Defer now to the mocha skinned Lazarus. <laughs> 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 what? This is these are bars right here. Who is the, is the mocha skinned Lazarus Obama? It kind of has to be, right? Like, uh, let me be clear. I used to be dead, and uh, uh, now I'm alive. Yeah, uh, if you like your corpse, uh, you can keep it. <laughs> like uh, your corpse, you don't necessarily have to uh, stay one. Okay, so uh, know this: you are more rich than him, if not in cash, than in your white skin. Whoa! The worm is possessed by cool, a cool kid perception. Considers himself a great exception to all those evil racist whites whose recalcitrance impedes his rights to trample on their spirit more to profit from the endless wars and from the labor multiplied and from the masses demoralized who still turn to the worm for guidance because for America he professes love not for her people, those he hates they are but low-life reprobates but for what nation she could be if she increased her liberty and turned her unscathed generous face toward parasites that earn their place and spread her ample gentle thighs for those Whoa. who come for those who come and tribalize what and offered her abundant breast what to those who may pass a test and even those who don't you see deserve a similar amnesty for their natural state is to conserve just like the posture of the worm unscrupulous venality a winning slave morality who's the worm supposed to be i think the worm is the cuck and he's talking the about people how look to the worm is the worm a politician then or the worm is like the the cuck mindset yeah, the that cuck wants mindset. to that wants to open that borders wants to let, and, and let immigrants suckle on the uh, lady liberty's titties i think that was and, and also and well, also and then, let it hit let the yeah. whole squad let the whole refugee squad hit yeah basically yeah okay sure <laughs> it's good i, I mean I, what do you what do you what do you what do you think about the sort of the 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 couplet um structure of the poem very bad the rhythm of it was very bad the sounds were not good. It seems like not a lot of thought was put into the individual sounds and consonants. These are the kind of people who feel like, yeah, art kind of fell away once poems stopped rhyming, right? Like, right. I feel like uh, like modernist poetry without rhyme scheme is is decadence and 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 moral collapse. That is not a really good argument for the return to. To rhyme and poetry. Is that what Western civilization is? Exactly. Like yeah. this, this is oh. this is what they're defending. It's like it's like that and 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 statues of anime ladies. And it's like no, thank you. This sucks. I would rather not. I, I would rather we let the well, we should have animes. aliens suckle on uh, the teats or whatever it was. Yeah. They, let the alien let the illegal aliens suckle on the teats, loudly proclaiming, "We still beat." <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't think anime is Western civilization. I think that's Eastern civilization. No, they've they have officially adopted Japan, just like the Nazis did, as honorary Aryans. Huh. Well, we uh, should defend anime. I mean, that <laughs> I mean, I agree with that. Everyone. I mean, I know, I know, you're a, you're a man apart from this, Matt. Anime is under attack. You guys saw that today, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Japan. that's oh, very oh, very yeah, tragic. That's not good. No, the the fire. Yeah, I yeah, know. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, but is there a political you know orientation in America that's staunchly anti-anime? Mine. Yeah, yeah, Matt Chrisman. Matt Chrisman. Chrisman-ism is staunchly against gaming and anime. I'm trying to understand what the position is. It's it's not really left traditionalism, but I don't know. It's just idiosyncratic thought. Well, that was that was a that was a poetry reading. I I, I encourage. There once was a cuck from Nantucket. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gang. Uh, Until next time, we will join you again soon. Bye bye. Bye bye.